Welcome to the Art of Successful Living. My name is Joanne Williams. This podcast is all about learning how to overcome personal difficulties, make better choices, and cultivate a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining in today as we continue the seven places Jesus bled. Today is part three. If you missed the first two episodes, I encourage you, go back and check it out. So here is a quick review of what we discussed last time. The first place that Jesus shed his blood was during the interrogation. Jesus was abused twice during the interrogation and the hearing of false testimonies both times until he bled. As I explained last time, the soldiers took Jesus prisoner and brought him to the high priest Annas first for questioning because the members of the Jewish high council needed to have two meetings before they could pronounce a death sentence. The interrogation of Annas concentrated on two points, Jesus' disciples and Jesus' teaching, because he wanted to know how successful had Jesus been. Did he have many disciples? Had they maybe been trained by him to start an uprising? As he was being questioned, Jesus was struck in the face by a soldier. And afterwards, he was sent to the high priest Caiaphas, who had summoned the Sanhedrin. During his interrogation by Annas, he bled. In your place and minds without defending himself. Why? To deliver you and me from every accusation of the evil one. While being interrogated by Caiaphas, Jesus was not only ridiculed, spat upon, and hit in the face, but the hairs of his beard were ripped out of his cheeks until he bled just as the prophet Isaiah foretold. I bared my back to those who beat me. I did not stop them when they insulted me, when they pulled out the hairs of my beard and sped in my face. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, and Matthew 26, verse 67. Why? To cleanse our conscience from dead works. You see, our own conscience will try to condemn us. Do you understand that it's not only the evil one who is accusing us? Our own conscience also accuses us from the inside out, causing us to feel guilty. Thankfully, the Bible says that how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, to cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, let's talk about the second place Jesus shed his blood. It was the whipping post. It is believed that Jesus was scourged or flogged 39 times. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. Under Jewish punishment, prisoners could be given 40 lashes. However, 
they usually only receive 39 because 40 was often fatal. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 3. It's believed that those 39 lashes represent all the categories of diseases known to all mankind. Now, I'm not exactly sure, especially since in the last few years, boy, we've had some new stuff like Ebola and COVID. But I do know that every time they laid the whip on Jesus' back, splitting his skin and ripping his muscles and tissue, healing was provided for every disease. Jesus was interrogated three times by Pilate, and every time the Roman ruler reached this conclusion, the same conclusion, three times. And the conclusion was this, this man is not guilty. But Pilate really wants to free Jesus, but not before he has scourged him. The word which Luke uses for scourging, padeduo, P-A-D-I-D-E-U-O, literally means correcting or teaching a lesson. Pilate wants to teach Jesus a lesson by having him scourged. Scourging was known to be very bloody. Jesus was tied with ropes to a stone pillar, completely undressed. His arms were stretched upward, his face towards the pillar. There were usually two soldiers who executed the scourging, and they would take turns swinging the flagellum, a Roman whip. The Romans had specially designed the flagellum in order to rip the flesh of the body of the victim exposing the muscle and tendons. The skin of Jesus was literally ripped to shreds with this terrible instrument until he was half conscious and hanging on the ropes, surrounded by a large puddle of blood. Why did the body of Jesus, which had never known disease, have to be so mutilated that people could no longer recognize it? Well, we, we can find the answer in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14. So when you have time, go back and read that situation, that verse, that chapter. Um, why did Jesus have to suffer in such a terrible way that people could no longer bear to look at him? And the question that's on the table is, could he not have died in a different manner, a different way, some kind of way that was less horrific? What kind of father would ask his son to go through something so awful? If the suffering of Jesus was of no meaning or value whatsoever, then it would have been better if he died for us in a less horrific way. If this were the case, then God would not have allowed Jesus to suffer the way he did. So, what is the use of this suffering? The mutilation of Jesus' body has a very deep meaning. 
just as the man without sin became sin because of your sin, my sin, and the same way all of our sicknesses were laid on the man without sickness. Jesus took every destructive and incurable disease upon himself in every whiplash, which shredded his perfect body. In this way, he became, listen, listen closely, he became acquainted with all of our sicknesses and diseases. There is no destructive disease that Jesus did not bear in his body during the mutilating scourging. That is why the Bible says that your attention should be fixed on Jesus. Jesus himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness it is by his wounds that we have been healed. And we find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Christ himself carried our sins in his body to the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. It is by his wounds that you have been healed. So, Praying for the sick is a command. We pray, Jesus heals. I've seen many people healed by Jesus. A miracle should never be something commonplace because it was paid for with such a high price. But what do you do when healing has not yet come? This Bible passage in Hebrews answers many questions about healing. It talks about how thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not made subject to him. But now we see not yet all things subjected to him. But we see Jesus. So we read here that everything, including all sicknesses, is subjected to Jesus. But we also read that we do not yet see everything, including all sicknesses, subjected to Jesus. The truth of the cross is that we are healed. Faith is that we don't deny the facts but subject them to the truth that we have received healing through his wounds. That's why it's so important that we grasp hold of the following five words in all circumstances. But we do see Jesus by his wounds. The Galatians saw Jesus Christ and Paul despite his illness. Let us too not despise or reject those who are ill, but let us see Jesus Christ in them. Don't let us allow our eyes to be focused on the sickness or those who are sick, but on Jesus alone. Remember this, his scourging brought our healing. By his stripes, 
we are healed. If you enjoyed this lesson and this series on the seven places Jesus bled, give me a thumbs up. Also, click that notification button so you can be notified when the next podcast comes out. Until next time, be blessed.